Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Happy Friday, everyone. I'm going to make this intro quick because we are dealing with some construction in our building. Of course, the week that Joe and I are in New York, they are constructing right below us. So if you hear hammering or anything throughout this episode, thank you for understanding. It is the year of 2020. We can't control much. Everything has moved to home working, so I appreciate you just going with the flow. I am so freaking excited about today's guest because she has been one of my favorite quarantine finds. She is one of the reasons I enjoy TikTok. She is one of the reasons that I share about body positivity and my relationship with food and everything on TikTok. She is the reason that I now don't feel... So awful when I close the app. She inspires me. She brings light. She brings joy. She makes me smile so much. She's incredible. Brittany Lancaster, the TikTok queen. We talk all about how she started her account, why she started her account, and her journey with or of recovering from two eating disorders. So I will say, trigger warning for anyone who is going through an eating disorder, just beware. I think her words are really inspiring and encouraging, uplifting and helpful, but I do just want to note that we do converse about that. So just a heads up. I hope you guys enjoy. As always, please rate and or review and share some screenshots on your Instagram stories. Tag Freckled Foodie and at FF and Friends Pod. And of course, Brittany Lancaster as well. I love hearing your guys' feedback and I have a feeling you will love this episode. Happy Friday, Freckled Foodie family. I am so excited about today's guest. And I know so many of you are going to freak out when you see this because I know a lot of you follow her. She is the just most kind, bubbly, like I just think of her as the definition of a sweetheart, TikTok queen, Brittany Lancaster. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh my God, your intro made me like tear up. I don't know why I'm so emotional today. <laughs> but thank you. We love emotions here. I'm so excited to have you here and I really mean it. Like I found you on TikTok when I first started like re- altering my algorithm because all I was mm-hmm. seeing was like fit 15-year-olds in bikinis doing dances and I was feeling bad yeah. about myself and wondering why am I seeing these videos? And yeah, I was like, you yeah. know what? I want to see way more like body positive content, what I eat in a day that are real and relatable. Mm-hmm. I want to see people who I look like and who are encouraging and inspiring. And that was when I found you. And I truly just feel like you omit just such joy. Like you're just... I have a definite dark side to me. Like I could not be the nicest person when I watch your videos. I'm like, she just looks so nice. 
I love that. No, I mean, I try to be as kind as possible. I just think it's important to live life that way and to treat others with kindness, but also obviously treat yourself with kindness. But yeah, I did the same thing. When I first started TikTok, I was very confused on which side of TikTok I was on. I don't know if you've ever same. heard of the different sides yeah. of TikTok. And um, I Whatever really side I was on, to- I hated it. Yeah, yeah. I really wanted to make sure that my TikTok was like a positive environment for myself as well. And so I only follow people who as well really inspire me and the videos that I'm really not interested in, I will just immediately swipe up so my algorithm knows, oh, she's not interested in that. Um, Yeah, and you can actually hold it down and Mm -hmm. click not interested now, which I didn't know for so long. Wow, I didn't know that either. Yeah, if you tap on the video, similar <laughs> similar to how you would like hit save or add to favorites, you can hit uh-huh. not interested. So I've done that to like all the, you know, fitspo, diet, culture, totally. trendy, those types of videos. Because otherwise yeah. your algorithm is just – it's really wild how many different sides of TikTok there are. Oh, it's, it's so interesting. It is like multifaceted with all of the different sides of TikTok and – it can really, you know, like we were talking about, it can really affect somebody's um, just way that they view life depending on what side of TikTok you're on. And that might seem silly to some people, but it's the truth because TikTok really is the it app right now for Mm -hmm. a lot of people because of quarantine and things like that, but also just younger, the younger generation is obsessed with TikTok, you know? And so this is really where they're receiving so much of their media insight. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm a huge believer in, you know, we we consume deeper than we realize. Even if you're just swiping and you think you're on yeah. an app, like you're suddenly believing that this is what I should be doing. These are products I should be buying. This is what I should look like. It's why influencing is an industry. And oh, I just felt so down on myself in the beginning. And I was like, why do I hate this app so much? Why do I resent opening it? But I'm addicted to it. Like, what is this feeling? Mm-hmm. And it was because I was consuming media that just didn't make me feel good about myself. And it made me feel less than. And that's when I fixed my algorithm and found wonderful people like you. So thank you for the work that you are doing because I'm no- I know you know this, but you are absolutely making a difference in people's lives. Oh, thank you. Well, same to you. I just, I love (laughs) following people who really do care about um, making an impact in people's lives and changing people's lives for the better, not, you know, just posting content for likes or comments or shares or whatever it may be. Um, That was never the reason why I started my TikTok and that will never be the reason that I do my TikTok. So I'm just here to help people eat and make eating less stressful and Um, even like you were talking about with social media, how I love that you said that, you know, we always consume things deeper than we think it's so true. And that's why I always tell people that because so many people say social media isn't real life, right? Like people always say that social media doesn't depict real life. Um, and I just always love to remind people that social media doesn't depict real life. Like, right. There's Facetune, there's filters, people, it's a highlight reel. People usually only post they're really amazing times in their lives. Um, but it affects real life, you know, it might not display it, but it affects real life and it affects, um, who you follow can affect how you see yourself. Um, it can affect, you know, what you think you're accomplishing in your life. I think a lot of times with kind of hustle culture, people are always thinking, Oh, I need to do more. This person is succeeding so much. How are they achieving Mm -hmm. so much? I need to push myself more. And so, 
social media can be really toxic in the way that it affects your life. And so that's why I always remind people to follow people who inspire you and who motivate you to be better, but in a good way, you know, not in like a damaging way of, oh, I'm not doing enough. Um, And yeah, I just think it's so important to remember that social media doesn't show real life, but it affects real life. Absolutely. I mean, the media we consume clearly impacts us, even just watching films like Social Dilemma. And, you know, it it varies from the products you're buying, the clothes you're wearing, the food you're eating, Mm -hmm. the politics you're believing. It's Mm -hmm. just so multifaceted. And you really should be aware of who you're following and what you're consuming on a daily basis because it is subconsciously having an impact. And I I know we, we kind of dove in a bit, but to kick things off, I usually ask in the beginning, but here we are. How would you define success? Yeah. So with success, it's, I was thinking about this for a little bit and it's really hard to set a specific definition for every single person I feel like. But for me personally, what I define as success is I really believe that it's when I wake up every day and when like being proud of what I'm doing, who I am and what I'm accomplishing, I feel like that is success. So if somebody is waking up and they're proud of, you know, what they're doing with their life and or what they're doing to make this world a better place, if they're proud of who they are, because I think that a lot of times, especially me when I was younger, I just tried to fit into the status quo, wasn't really concerned about who I was, or staying true to who I was, or even finding out who I was, because when I was younger, I had no idea what my identity was. And also, you know, being proud of what you're accomplishing and what you're able to do. I think uh, for me, success really marks off those three different check marks for me. Absolutely. I think being proud of what you're putting out there is huge. And it's something that I really value when it comes to the work I'm doing. And it really deciphers like what type of work I'm going to do. And obviously, finances and things like that do play a role in everything. However, I feel so much more fulfilled by my job when Mm -hmm. I'm doing something that I feel really proud by or proud of instead of, okay, I worked X amount of hours and I did all this and I got paid this. Like, yes, that, that can be important, but being proud of what you're putting out there is huge, especially when you're in a space like this. Definitely. I think also kind of going off of that, it's so important to be proud of what you're putting out there, but also kind of what you were saying of internalizing the impact of what you're putting out there and realizing how many people are going to see this if you put this out there and will you be proud of this many people seeing this content or seeing this post or whatever it may be just really keeping yourself in check and making sure you realize the impact that you have and understanding that your actions and your words can really affect others so Definitely. And you touched on this in the beginning, but even just like, you know, this industry, unfortunately, can be so focused on likes and comments and followers. Mm -hmm. And I hate that it it does matter in some realm because financially it plays a role. And I still struggle with that whole side of things where I'm like, I hate that I should care about this, Mm -hmm. but I don't necessarily. Um, But I also think that, you know, you said it best, like, I will never quiet my voice or hop on something just for more followers or more likes or more engagement because 
that's not why I created this platform. And I know that's not why you created your platform. And staying true to myself is the most important thing for me with this type of job. Well, I couldn't agree more. And something that I really try to stay true to myself when it comes to all of these things is I would much rather have, you know, a set following of people who it might be, let's say, quote unquote, smaller than some of these people who have millions and millions of followers. But my followers are so, so genuine and kind and supportive of me. And, and a lot of people when they first follow me, like my friends, when they follow me on TikTok, they'll, um, I even had a coworker yesterday come up to me and say, Hey, I was looking through your comment section and you don't have any like negative comments. Like it's very rare. She's like, I never see any mean or nasty or hateful comments in your comment section. When a lot of times a big TikTokers receive a lot of backlash for various reasons and they might not even necessarily deserve that uh, hate, obviously, but people just feel the need to give it to them for some reason. And so that's my thing is I don't care about the numbers because for me, what matters is the quality of person that's following me. And yes. if somebody is going to be kind to me and, you know, we're going to help each other in this journey of eating disorder recovery and body positivity, and it's going to be a positive environment for what I'm sharing and what I'm putting out there, that is all I care about. And I I feel so lucky that the people who follow me are incredibly kind to me. Um, Obviously, I do receive a few internet trolls here and there, but the level of it compared to a lot of um, a lot of creators is low. And I'm so incredibly grateful for that. I totally agree. I say this a lot. I'd rather have 100 pennies than four quarters any day. Mm -hmm. Like, my community is so engaged and loyal and supportive and just loving and wonderful. And obviously, like you mentioned, there are some bad apples. And especially when you talk about some controversial things, like, you know, when it was time for the election and politics and I was outspoken on those, they kind of come to the top and they feel their voices need to be heard louder. So they exist. But at the same time, I would not trade my community for anything. Mm -hmm. And I say this a lot in not in fear of growing because obviously I want to grow, but I do think there's a certain point that I wouldn't want to grow above because part of the reason why I think my community is so engaged and wonderful is because I'm able to get back to them and respond Mm -hmm. to everything Mm -hmm. and, you know, respond to my DMs. And there does hit a point where that's just not feasible. And like I, you know, for example, we announced that we were pregnant and the post blew up more than any other post I've ever had in my life. And which was... It was so exciting. I mean, everyone was just so kind, but I couldn't physically respond to every comment. And I'm like, oh my God, this must feel what this must mm-hmm. be what it feels like for a larger influencer every post. And mm-hmm. that was really hard for me because I love engaging with the community back. It's it's so true. And it's so funny that you mentioned that because I remember when I first um when I first started TikTok, basically how the whole thing happened was that I was going to a sorority event in February. I had my winter formal dance and the dance was on the same uh, date as my three and a half year anniversary of being in recovery from my two eating disorders. And so I posted this video of me dressed up in my dress to go to the dance and it went viral. And it was the first TikTok I had ever made that went viral. And I was like, wow, there's not a lot of people talking about body positivity on TikTok or talking talking about eating disorder recovery or anything like that. And so then I started to post my what eat in a days and those also went 
pretty viral. Totally and so, viral. Um, there was one what eat in a day that I think in March it got over like 2.4 million views or something like that. Holy and shit. so I went from having, I think I had a little under 5,000 followers at that point to I think 40,000 followers in a day. Like I jumped so fast and I just remember in that moment that the influx of messages and DMs skyrocketed you know and I was like oh my god I was like I can't respond to everyone (laughs) and I felt so guilty for that I was like these people are so kind enough to follow me I want to interact with them I want to help them as much as I can obviously I I make this pretty clear that I'm not a professional I'm just sharing my story but still just being you know positive and giving people uplifting messages and that was something that was really hard for me to adjust to was understanding you have to be okay that you won't be able to respond to every message and every comment because it's just not possible. I would be, uh, I would be responding to messages every single minute of my day. If I, to be able to respond to all of the DMS and all of the comments, you know, so it's just, I try to, um, Whenever I post a, a TikTok or anything, I usually stay on the app for probably five or ten minutes after I posted the I post the video and I comment on anyone who you know responds by that time. Right. But it's it's really hard to respond to everyone, and I remember feeling really guilty at first that I wasn't that I didn't have that bandwidth to be able to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. TikTok is so interesting. I think it's like truly one of the most interesting apps, especially when it comes to growth of people on the platform. Because Mm -hmm. for me, I had my Instagram from, I want to say for like three years-ish. And at the beginning of quarantine, I had around, I think like 20,000 followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I was like so proud of it all of the growth. I was like, oh my God, I forced my butt off for this. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, even though it's like small in comparison to some people, I was like, this is huge. And that's amazing. And when I started TikTok, I randomly like shared this one video of my mom because she's just so ridiculous and people (laughs) on my Instagram stories always love her and it blew up. And then I did another one, another one, and like one got over a million views. And like, I just don't, the algorithm's just wild. And within a week I had like 50,000 followers on TikTok and I was like, that's great. But at the same time, what the hell? I've worked so hard (laughs) on Instagram for like three years and this just happened in a week. I was like bitter about it. I'm like, this is so fucking annoying. Yeah. (laughs) It's just wild. And now I'll get messages sometimes from people and like, they're so sweet. I'm not trying to like, you know, whatever, but they'll say like, I'm an OG TikTok follower. And I was like, this Instagram was so before TikTok, (laughs) like the OG people on Instagram and Freckles Booty know, like when I was working at JP Morgan, like that's how this account started. Mm -hmm. But I think like everyone thinks that the TikTok is what came first, which Mm -hmm. is now very common, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like a weird mental ego thing that I'm battling over. And I was like, wait, no, but I, I did have this. Like my, you know, also I think it's just because the videos that blew up had nothing to do with my platform. It was just like me sharing ridiculous stuff of my mom, which totally. isn't like my typical messaging. So I'm like, this is so awkward to navigate. And I then kind of just stopped TikToking because I was like, I don't even know what to post on here. Like anytime I post about something else, everyone's like, where's Cindy? Um, (laughs) So it's just an interesting landmine for me. But it's been so wild watching your growth. And because you're so open and honest about it, I would love if you would share with our community just kind of your experience with your eating disorders. And I know 
they started, I, I don't, I could be wrong, but what from what I've read and heard, I think it was more around like in the high school time when it mm-hmm, started like mm-hmm. playing sports and all that. And mm-hmm. I definitely talk about body image and body positivity on here and acceptance and having healthy relationships with food and, you know, eating food to fuel and not to control. And so if you feel comfortable sharing, I know my community would definitely, definitely appreciate it. Of course. I always love to share um, my story. Um, So basically, when I was 16 years old, I developed anorexia. um, And I suffered from anorexia for about a year and a half to two years. And then when I began eating again, I developed binge eating disorder just because I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I hadn't eaten in so long um, that when I started eating, it was... I just couldn't stop. I felt like I was in a rampage, mm-hmm. eating everything in the kitchen, um, midnight binges. Just it was, um, I was like, I had no control over food. And um, then I decided to, you know, find help and get recovery. And I saw a nutritionist. And um, that was the first time that I was really able to hear about, okay, why don't you try eating this food? Obviously you learn about, you know, nutrition and things, but also you learn about listening to your body and not just restricting yourself based off of what society tells you to restrict yourself based off of, but instead really listening to your body and your hunger signals. And, um, so when I had my eating disorders, especially when I had my anorexia, I had so many health problems. Um, I was vitamin deficient. I had hormone imbalances. Um, I lost my menstrual cycle for over nine months. Uh, Half of my hair fell out. I had to go to the emergency room a few times. Um, So there was just so many problems that came with my eating disorders. And basically how I kind of decided to get help or I knew in that moment that I needed to get help was when I graduated high school, my parents, they took my brother and I to Croatia and Amsterdam for the first time. And I had never been to Europe before. And we were going for, I think it was 10 days and it was close to the end of the trip. So we did Amsterdam the first half and we also went to Slovenia. So that was the middle half. And then Croatia was the last half of the trip. And the entire trip, I was so self-conscious. We went in the summer. So we were always in bathing suits, uh, going jet skiing and swimming and doing all of these amazing once in a lifetime things that in the moment I should have said to myself, oh my goodness, who knows when you're going to experience this again, especially in today's world in 2020, who knows when we're going to be able to travel overseas again safely and all of these things. And I was so self-conscious and just let my insecurities and my body dysmorphia and my eating disorders ruin my trip. And so on the last day of the trip, when I was in Croatia, my brother and I, we decided to go swimming in the Croatian sea. And there was this rock in the ocean where we were swimming and I was sitting on it and I looked out into the ocean and it was one of those moments where you look out into the ocean and you cannot see anything besides water. If that makes sense, like there is no Mm -hmm. sight of land anywhere. And it just hit me how much bigger this world is and how much how much more there is to experience besides belittling your body every single day. And there's so many things to explore and to enjoy in life that you shouldn't hate your body every day and you shouldn't, you know, be down on yourself, but instead you should enjoy life's precious moments. And that was when I really decided to take recovery seriously. 
And now I've been in recovery for over four years. And um, I learned about intuitive eating throughout recovery. And that has honestly saved my life. It has been the best thing I have ever done. I never go to sleep deprived. I never go to bed wanting more food or being hungry going to bed or anything like that. I'm always satisfied. And um, I've, I really feel like I've learned the perfect balance for my body. And so I'm, I'm very happy. And now I've been in recovery for over four years. That's so amazing. And congratulations to you because that is no easy feat or journey. And I think it should absolutely be celebrated every single day as a milestone. And it's so interesting to hear you share that story because for me, I never had an eating disorder, but I definitely flirted with orthorexic thoughts and some obsessive behavior. And guys, I'm so sorry if you can hear kind of banging. I hope you can't because I'm using my microphone. But of course, there's construction in our apartment building the week that we're in New York City and I have like 10 podcast stuff. So if you can, I'm really sorry. You just have to bear with me. This is 2020. Um, But I do – I definitely struggled with, you know, obsessive thoughts and some flirtation of orthorexia. And it was so – interesting to me once I kind of unpacked it and got on the other side of it to realize how much I had missed out on. I was Mm -hmm. actually just having this conversation with my friend the other day because, you know, we both had lost all this weight and there was like a number on the scale that we remember being like Mm -hmm. our smallest. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I was not happy at all. I was so anxious. I was depressed. I was lonely. I was crying all the time. I really only cared about what I was eating and, you know, when I was going to work out next and how long I was going to work out for. And I would dread going to these like fun group dinners with my friends in the city because God forbid there wasn't something on the menu I wanted. And it was just so internalized and I was so deep in it that I didn't realize. And now that I've gained 25, call it pounds, it's just so interesting how much life I've gotten back with that weight. And you know, a lot of society and the media forces us to believe that smaller is better and that you should always want to be tinier and that Mm -hmm. I should feel guilty over gaining these 25 pounds and that I should want to get back to that smaller weight. But when I think about how I felt at that point and how I feel now, it's not even a comparison of what life I want to live. Like this life I enjoy, I have fun. I don't overstress over things that don't matter. You know, I do more last minute decision making. And that allows me to have all of these experiences I would have otherwise shut off because I had to go to bed early to get to the gym in the morning, or I had to get home to meal prep my meal. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was just so obsessive and controlling. And I think we forget how much brain space it takes until you realize that it's no longer wasting so much space. Definitely. And once you and- see like that small sense of freedom. It's like, oh my God, there could be more. Like I could stop thinking about this 24 seven. It's so true. It is so incredibly true. And I even, you know, one of the things that I love so much about intuitive eating is just the variety of food that I get to eat. I eat something different every single day. Obviously, if people know my TikToks, you know, I'm kind of bagels. (laughs) But besides for lunch and dinner, I, you know, I try to be more Um, you switch it up. And even if I go to restaurants, I'm not scared to try a new dish anymore. I'm not scared to order dessert, you know, various things like that. And it's just the most freeing part. And I have never been happier in my life because I don't have any restrictions in my life anymore. And I remember 
I think a lot of times when people have eating disorders, they remember specific moments in their life that really change them. And yeah. obviously, when I decided to fully recover and fully start recovery and be serious about it was when I went to Croatia. But I do remember when I was recovering from my severe restriction and anorexia, I um, I remember the moment that I decided that I needed to start to eat again was I had gone to a doctor's appointment and about losing my menstrual cycle and how to get it back. And um, my doctor had told me that since I um, hadn't had my menstrual cycle in so long and there was so many so much damage to my body that I could potentially have a really hard time getting pregnant later on in life. And that just like destroyed me. Like it ripped ripped my heart out because that's something that I've always wanted to experience in my life was to be able to have a, a child of my own. And, um, in that moment I was like, Oh, I need to start eating again because mm-hmm. I, and I was, I was 16 at the time when that happened. And so it's kind of crazy to think about kids at 16 years old, but it's just something that I knew obviously not in that moment, but years down the line that I would want to be able to experience that. And so it gets to a point where you have to really ask yourself, is this number that you're aspiring to, or is this restriction that you're putting on your body worth the damage that could possibly affect your entire, the, like your, the rest of your life could be affected mm-hmm. by this one goal that you have in mind that isn't even realistic or healthy for your body. So. Right, which is which is so wild to think about the fact that you were 16 and at that time it really could impact mm-hmm. now that I'm like going through all of the, you know, menstrual pregnancy stuff like you know, that stuff does play a role and it does have an impact mm-hmm. and I think that that's so easily forgotten because we're obsessed with attaining this body that we've been told is ideal and perfect by media standards and not have any consideration of the mental health of it all. So I think that's a huge realization. I agree. I think everyone does have these kind of moments where we're like, wait, why am I like, you kind of have this moment where you step back and you're like, what is happening? Mm -hmm. This is not the life I want to live. This is not who I am. And, you know, it's, Obviously, easier said than done. I was not deep in it, but I know, you know, my mom struggled very much with an eating disorder when she was younger, and we mm-hmm. talk about it a lot. And I had very close friends throughout my childhood and life that have as well. So it's not an easy feat, but I will say that watching them and even speaking to you, it's clear what incredible things recovery can do for people. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering for anyone who's listening who may be, you know, in the thick of it or like on the verge of maybe I need to seek help, but I don't know, like I kind of feel comfortable where I am because it becomes an obsessive behavior and it's what you're used to. What advice would you have for someone of like taking those first steps in recovery? Definitely. So I think for the first steps of recovery, two things come to mind. Um, For me, number one, I think it is so, so incredibly important to seek professional help, whether that's a nutritionist, a dietitian, a therapist, um, going to a treatment center, whatever it may be. And then the second thing that I think is so incredibly important when starting recovery is to know your reason why. You know, like for me, the reason why I started eating again is because like I mentioned, I knew that I wanted to eventually one day have a family if I'm lucky enough to do so. And that was super important to me. And so 
And then when I really started recovery, because obviously then I experienced binge eating disorder, I knew in that moment in Croatia, I did not want to look in a mirror and belittle myself every single day and have low self-esteem every single day and just hate the body that I was in because the longest relationship you will ever have in your entire life is with yourself. So you want to make sure it's a positive relationship and it's a good relationship. And I think that those two things are so important to start recovery is seeking professional help because that is what helped me so much and being able to have a professional to talk to and help you through the journey of it. But also just knowing your reason why, because on your hard days and on your bad days, because everyone experiences that, I experience that as well. You need to have that reason why in the forefront of your brain so that when times get hard, you know what's going to keep you going and what's going to push you through this hard day or this hard week or whatever it may be. Absolutely. freaking lutely And I'm a big um, visual person. Mm-hmm. And so even if that entails like writing down that reason why and sticking it somewhere, if it's on a vision board or your mirror or in a journal that you write in every day, like I think that that's huge as just a daily reminder on a bracelet, like something that's just, you know, it can be a term that only you know what the meaning is. I have a bracelet that I got in the middle of kind of one panic attack at a restaurant with Joe where I was like mm-hmm. bitching and moaning because I couldn't – I, in my mind, couldn't eat, quote, unquote, anything on the menu. And, you know, the menu's great. I actually love the place now. But at the time, I was so restrictive and I was so in my own head. And I got up to check out and they had these like little bracelets with sayings on them. And one of them said like, is now. And I was like, you know what? I get to decide like when I'm happy, how I'm feeling, like the moment is now. And I bought it and Joe upside down read it as Monsi. And he was like, this is so weird. Why does your bracelet say Monsi? And he didn't say anything about it for like a few weeks. And finally, he's like, what is Monsi? Like, what is going on? And I was like, what are you even talking about? But now that's like a word for me that holds this like strength and memory and conversation. And, you know, I've used it to pull me out of these situations. And it's easy to spiral with your thoughts. And so I think having a saying or a term or something to really snap you back out of it is so helpful. And also, I'm a big proponent of journaling but and not just journaling when you're down, but journaling when you're high as well. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. when you journal of like how amazing you're feeling when you're doing certain things and how wonderful it is, those can be so helpful when you're having the hard days to look back on and be like, this is why I'm doing this. And, you know, you talk about your re- one of your reasons is like the hope to one day bear a child. And Right now, I'm experiencing a whole new relationship with my body as I'm pregnant because, you know, obviously things are changing and mm-hmm. growing in different ways. And I didn't exercise for two months, which is the most unlike me thing in the world because exercise is a huge mental health and just large part of my life release for me. Mm-hmm. And my body is changing. And, you know, it was so hard for me at times to be like, Cam, you got to stay in bed. You got to stay on the couch. You got to just eat all of the carbs in the world because that's all your body can stomach and want. And, you know, it was so at some points difficult to remind myself, but then the other time there's such an obvious reason why I'm like, I'm growing a human Mm -hmm. and that is all that's important. Like this child's health is more important than anything else in the world to me right now. It really is such a beautiful thing to think about that you are literally giving life to another human being. It's just, it's incredible. It's so like, wild. I just think when when I think about things like that with bearing children and stuff, I'm like, we are 
definitely the superior sex. <laughs> like, are you oh my kidding? God, we're fucking superheroes. Um, yeah, like, we are definitely I, superheroes. You are definitely, you are an actual insane. superhero right now. Like, it's, I, I literally, I mean, I'm such like a freak about these kind of things. I cannot stop thinking about it. the fact that there's something growing inside of me that will one day be a human. Mm-hmm. Like, that blows my mind. And, you know, I, I love Joe. I love a lot of the men in my life, but like he wouldn't last a fucking day pregnant. Like between <laughs> the symptoms, the pain, everything you go through, like, and he's admitted it. He's like, I don't know how you're doing this. It's just mm-hmm. wild. So mm-hmm. women are superheroes. I will say that. I've always thought that, but now that I've experienced this, it also, I just have so much more respect for my mom now. And I'm like, I cannot believe I put you through all of this just because I had such a rough first trimester. I'm like, I love you more than I ever thought I could. And I haven't even given birth to the child. I'm sure that's going to even change it even more. Mm -hmm. But the whole thing is just so wild to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And then in terms of you know, I really appreciate you giving the advice because I'm sure some people who are listening to this episode may be going through something similar that you were going through. And what would you say is your favorite characteristic about yourself? And it doesn't necessarily have to do with recovery. Maybe it it does, but I'm always curious what people love about themselves the most. Yeah. So I I think my favorite characteristic about myself is, uh, my kindness. I really do think that, um, I just think I'm a very kind person and I really try to treat others with as much kindness as I can. And I mean that in the most genuine way possible. And when I suffered with my eating disorders, a lot of the times I was the most quiet kid in the room. Like I remember in high school and even middle school and elementary school, I was always so, I was always self-conscious of myself and I always had, I didn't have as much confidence in who I was and I didn't really know who I was or anything like that. And when I started recovery, it just gave me so much joy and so much positive energy and just really transformed me into who I always knew that I could be. I just didn't have belief in myself at the time. And, Mm -hmm. um, but I do think even through all of that, because I tell people that all the time, like in high school, you can ask people who knew me when I was a freshman and sophomore in high school, I did not talk. Like I was the most quiet (laughs) in the room, did not talk And now you can't get me to shut up. And so, but, and that's due to recovery, I really feel. But the one thing I do think that has been consistent through all of that is I do think that I've always had a very kind heart and really tried to be as kind to people as possible. And I even remember in elementary school when you have the popular girl who they determine who's going to be cool and who's not going to be cool. I never let that because there would be girls who would just go along with it and well, whoever, whoever the girl was that they were going to point out for the year to make her not cool, whatever, I would sit with that girl and eat lunch with her. Like that. I have always been that person and I will always be that person. I will never treat somebody rudely or meanly just for whatever reason. And um, I think that that's hard to find in this world because a lot of people care uh, about yes. their image more than they do <laughs> about people's feelings and who they are. So I think that's really hard to find. I think it's really hard to find. I think it's an incredible characteristic. And I really wish I could reflect back on my childhood and say the same, but not at all. And it's something I honestly have a lot of internal struggles with is that I like was not the nicest person a lot of my life. And I think part of it was that I was a bit misunderstood and I just speak my mind and I wear my emotions on my sleeve. And I, you know, I don't, not that kind I, I your kindness is not fake whatsoever however i felt sometimes like i just had a hard time 
showing up sometimes if I didn't believe certain things and I wasn't the nicest. And, you know, now I think back a lot and I'm curious if you feel this way ever because now you have a platform. If it's like you ever think like, I wonder what certain people are wondering who knew me at X amount of years in my life and now they're watching this. Like I think about that all the time. Yours are probably, you don't have the guilt that I have sometimes, but sometimes I'm like, oh my God, that younger version of myself was such a fucking bitch. And (laughs) I just wish I could take back so much of what I've done and said. Um, But it's it's personal growth. Yeah, yeah. And what what I think about a lot is, um, so this is, I probably should have mentioned this with my binge eating disorder, but I moved from Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, to Portland, Oregon, the middle of my junior year in high school. So it's not time to move. Yeah, it was pretty much as far as you could get in the country (laughs) to move across. And that was extremely hard for me because so I had a few cousins that went to my high school. And so obviously, it was so nice to have them when I started. But I didn't know anybody when I walked in, like the middle of my junior year of high school, all of the cliques had been formed, all of the groups, the friend groups had been formed. Um, Everyone had their lunch crew already set. And I was terrified walking into this high school, being like feeling so alone. And I knew I had a few of my family members, but we didn't have classes together. Or you know, I'm saying we might have one class together or things like that. But it was nothing where I would have somebody with me all the time. And I think that that's really what kind of built off of my binge eating disorder was food was my friend during that really lonely time in my life. And during that, like figuring out my life type moment was I was emotional eating because I just felt really alone in a lot of those moments and didn't really know where my place was in the high school. And so I think about a lot of the times looking back on it for people who are seeing my content now, because college was when I really blossomed and when I really feel like I found myself and found my joy And so even people from my past from Florida, I was this quiet, didn't talk girl. And then anyone who knows me from my past from my high school, I was just kind of a mess to be honest. I didn't know. It was just such a confusing time in my life. So (laughs) I I feel like when people probably look back on my stuff who, who knew me back then, they're like, what happened? You know, like this is the craziest like turnaround. So that's how I feel sometimes when I'm talking about like, you know, loving your like all this stuff. I feel like some people are probably watching, like, what is going on? This is not the person that I knew when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But that's more just like shit that I internally have to deal with. Um, but I am so appreciative for having you on the show. I really think that this will help so, so many people. I know you have helped me immensely, so I can only imagine the impact you're having on everyone else. And of course, we've talked about food a little bit, and we know your love for bagels, Mm -hmm. but I have to ask, what are the three ways to your heart through food? Yeah, so... um there's so many ways. It was it, I, it's so hard to <laughs> decide three ways, but I will say, number one, my favorite type of food on this planet is Mexican food. That has always been my mm-hmm. favorite type of food for the longest time. And specifically within Mexican food, I love a good burrito. Like a good burrito, yes. just amazing. But I live in Portland, Oregon, and there is this restaurant called Porqueno that my family uh, I've heard of it for years. I'm actually addicted. Not sorry about it. <laughs> they have the best food, best margaritas, best chips and guac and salsa. It's incredible. And so definitely Mexican food and Porqueno is number one. Um, number two 
would be Ben and Jerry's chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. Love. And it has to be Ben and Jerry's. Like for some reason, their brand is impeccable at the Mm -hmm. cookie dough ice cream. It's pretty, it's pretty great. (laughs) And then the third would, I love going out to brunch. It's one of my favorite, like, um, weekend adventure to go on is to go out to brunch and get some mimosas and get coffee and get, you know, waffles or whatever I'm feeling for the day or bagels or whatever it may be. Brunch is just because I love how it's a whole um, adventure. It's not just a meal. You know, you get dressed up. Totally. You put on a cute outfit. You're up early in the morning, so you feel, like, productive. And then, you know, you can go out with friends. I think I really feel like going out to brunch is my favorite meal to go out to eat for. I just think it always has positive vibes, and it's always so fun. And so – and coffee, obviously, is is my the, – the main way to my heart, so <laughs> – Yes. I mean, I love me a good brunch. And right now, one of my pregnancy cravings big time is like a good bagel spread situation. Mm-hmm. And there is a place called Sedell's in New York that has like these like towers that you can get. And, you know, some people will probably oh say, I, I feel comfortable. My have been there. Oh my God. It's so good. So yeah. I feel comfortable eating smoked salmon while I'm pregnant. My doctor does too. So for anyone who's like, about to say something, you're mm-hmm. not my doctor, it's fine. But like for me, a bagel, cream cheese, cucumber, tomato, and smoked salmon, and a side of scrambled eggs and a glass of fresh squeezed orange juice is all I want during my pregnancy. And I'm going this weekend. I'm I actually going right now. That sounds incredible. <laughs> I I back, I'm going back this weekend. I'm so yeah. excited. Yeah, my stepsister and her family, they have gone to New York a few different times um, because um, we have some family that goes to college in New York City. And um, they recommended that restaurant to my parents when my parents went out there. This was obviously pre-COVID. This was like last year's November, I think. And my dad, I think he ordered like three towers. I remember getting photos from them and I was like, where is he? Cause obviously <laughs> intuitive eating everything, but it was yes. three towers of food with multi like levels of food. And I was like, where is he putting all of this? I so. need to go with him next time. Well, mm-hmm. post COVID you'll come to New York. We'll go to Sedell's. I'll come oh to Portland. Goodness. We'll go to Porcano. That would be we'll a dream. Yes. Come to Portland. Meals. I'll take you to Porcano. I'll take you to all of the amazing food stops, all of the great coffee shops. I know it all. So you'll it's go so high on my list. It'll be incredible. <laughs> amazing. Perfect. Just what I want. Um, well, thank you so much for joining. For everyone listening, where is the best place to follow you? You can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, all at Brittany Lancaster. Brittany spelled with an I at the end and then no D in Lancaster. But yeah, they're all the the show notes. Oh, that's so nice. I'll put it all in the show notes so it's easy for everyone to click and subscribe, follow, and do all that fun stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciated having you on. Thank you so much, Cameron. I had such a fun time and I love this combo. It was so great. (laughs) Thank you. All right, friends. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Brittany has been someone that I am just so fortunate to have found in like the early days of my TikTok addiction. And obviously now I've followed her on all of her platforms and I just think she's so incredibly inspiring and amazing. So if you do not know of her before this episode or you did not know of her, I hope this introduces you to one of my favorite creators. And if you knew her before this, I hope you guys enjoyed getting to know and learn a little bit more about her. 
So what's been going on with me this week? I released another What the Fuck is Happening to My Body. Thank you guys so much for the continued support. I am starting to feel a little bit more like myself, which has been awesome and I feel very grateful for. I'm slowly starting to get rid of the nausea and the headaches. They're not completely gone, but for the most part they are. I'd say I feel like maybe 85% like myself. And I talked about this in my stories, but I bought new bikinis because I'm potentially going to Florida for a bit with my parents and I need new bathing suits for this ever-growing body. And it was the first time that I I was dreading putting them on. Like one of my best friends was here and we had been doing like a socially distanced and then masked hangout. And I had said to her, like, I got new bathing suits, but honestly, I just, I don't even want to fucking put them on. Like, I just felt very uncomfortable in my own skin. And it's something I'm working through with pregnancy. And it's, it's so interesting. I was having this conversation with my friend Bree, and that episode will be out soon. But it's not necessarily my body that I feel uncomfortable in. It's almost like my face. Like, I just feel like I don't look like myself. Like, I think it's a mix of the acne I'm so fucking hairy. Like, I'm really just hairy. My sideburns, my flyaways, like everything. It's just insane. The hair just doesn't stop growing. Um, And so I just don't necessarily feel like myself or like that confident in my own skin. I have to put Charlie away one second. Okay, sorry. He fucking hates when I talk to the microphone. It's actually very annoying, but kind of comical. So I just felt I don't know. I just, I haven't felt like myself or like had that confidence that I had pre-pregnancy. And I think I mentioned this in the episode that you guys just listened to with Brittany. Like I felt like I was in the best place ever when it came to body image. And then the world just kind of threw pregnancy at me and was like, okay, bitch, try this. So I was nervous to put on the bathing suits, which I have honestly, fortunately, like not felt in a very long time. And it was interesting because I put it on and I was like, wait, I fucking love the way I look. Like it was the first time I felt really confident and appreciative almost. And like, damn, my body is doing incredible things. Like women are superheroes. So that was something that has recently happened in terms of pregnancy and then also just body image stuff, which is very relevant to this conversation. Um, In terms of pregnancy and that kind of stuff. Also, I will say I'm hesitant to share everything on my Instagram stories just because it's a lot of people and a lot of people have opinions. And also, I I personally feel a little uncomfortable with like consuming so many bump update photos. It just for me, I don't know. I've said this on my stories and maybe on here before, but it's a little, it, it creates this like competitive narrative that I hate and that I haven't had in so long. But the weeks of someone's pregnancy all of a sudden feel like a tangible asset that then allow me to compare myself to. And it's not right, but it doesn't mean that it's not happening. And because of that, I'm hesitant to kind of like play into it as well. And I also just feel, I don't know, I don't know. I I feel very personal about it for some reason, which is fine. And maybe it's something I'm just working through on my own. But I am sharing a bit more of that type of stuff on my close friends list, I will say. Like that is a more way smaller group that I feel comfortable sharing. And that is based on 
or not based on, but those people are members of the Patreon community. So if you guys are interested in joining the Freckled Foodie family on Patreon, I will link it in the show notes. There are three tiers. Basically, the first tier gets you access to close friends where I'm sharing stuff that I just feels a little bit more personal, whether it's me, pregnancy-related, Joe, my family, stuff that I don't necessarily feel I need to put out onto the internet for everyone to see. Um, and then also doing an un- additional unfiltered Q&A every single month on the 15th of the month. And that, again, like I share almost everything and like really share my opinions, but I get a little bit more personal on those. And then the second tier gets you that as well as an additional podcast episode. So if you are someone who really loves this podcast, once a month I will release an additional bonus episode. Same length. It'll either be me or someone that is like more in my personal life and we have maybe a more personal conversation than we would feel comfortable sharing with the entire world. So I just did one that that released. It it will release every third Wednesday of the month. So I just released one with my very good friend from college, Deanna, who's been on the show actually before. But in this episode, we talk about just the involvement, evolving of like relationships and society standards on partners and relationships and marriage and children. And, you know, we have differing thoughts on what we want in our future. And we just talk about how like everyone seems to have a fucking opinion about her decision, but because mine fits quote unquote society standards, no one comments on it. And it's something we've always been frustrated by. And we talk about it all the time in our personal life. So we dive into it in this episode. And then the third tier, if you can hear that, my house phone is ringing. The third tier gets you all of that and then just like additional access over DM to more like extensive conversations. So obviously all of the content that you guys consume as non-Patreon members right now, like typical Freckled Foodie stuff for free, that's not going anywhere. This is just additional content if you want more and more kind of private. I I don't like the word exclusive, but I guess it is. Um or if you feel you have the means and you're interested in financially supporting what is happening in Franklin Foodie Land, there's no pressure. If you are interested, the link will be in the show notes for you guys. You can check it out and potentially join. I'd be happy to have any and all of you. Um, while we're talking about other stuff like that, I also started a cameo, which I fucking hate saying, but like I got so many random requests for people for videos for someone's birthday or for Christmas. And I was like, you know what? This just makes it easier. Like that way I'm not texting people these videos and it's it just streamlines everything. And I've had so much fun doing it. So if you're interested in doing one of those for a friend or someone else in this Freckle Foodie community, that will also be linked in the show notes. I also am going to link... Um, a holiday wish list that I am encouraging anyone who's looking to give back right now to um, donate to. So basically, when I was at JP a few years ago, I led, I was a co-chair for Junior Women in Markets, which is basically all females, associates, and analysts in trading and sales and trading. And we would do a gift drive for a shelter in the Lower East Side. And it was honestly one of my favorite things that I've ever done at JP. It just brought me so much joy. I have photos. I would never share them, but it was just truly the highlight of my holiday season. And ever since I left, I've been trying each year to find something similar to that to give back to and to help those who are in need and help them with their holiday wish list. And I decided this year that I will be supporting GoSo, which the founder has been on this podcast before. 
Um, I talked about it, I know, in the last episode with costs, but basically it's getting out, staying out, focused on reducing recidivism through education, employment, and emotional well-being. For those who don't know, recidivism is basically is the term used for those who have been in the criminal justice system in the past returning back to the criminal justice system. So it's focused on keeping those who have been released from the system out of the system. It's an incredible, incredible organization. My older sister is very much involved. It is near and dear to my heart. They have a holiday wish list for their participants of like necessities to get them through the winter. I will post that in the show notes. If you are in a place to donate and are interested, please consider it. Also, holidays. So we've been watching all of our Christmas movies, right? Joe and I, you know, I've talked about this a lot. We've been on like a binge of Christmas movies from Thanksgiving to now, and we will continue to Christmas. We've watched a ton. And it's starting to make me realize, like, why is every Christmas movie just like, here's everything that can go wrong and anxiety-inducing for three quarters or more of the movie, and then at the very end, everyone relaxes and has a great time and, like, something brings the movie together. I don't know why, but that's just, like, the standard for what I can – personally, I feel – American holiday movies. And it's driving me crazy because I don't like being anxious while watching movies. And also it's making me realize people, you know, we love the holidays so much, but why do they stress us out so much? Like why does something we love so much cause us so much stress and anxiety? And I think this year is different than every other year. People are obviously not doing traditions that they're used to doing. You're in smaller groups. You know, things are very much changing. And I do think it'll be an interesting year to reflect on and think, what did I enjoy more about this year? Like, what brought me happiness that I haven't felt in the past? And how can we potentially, like, move forward with that? And maybe it means means changing traditions, which coming from me is a big thing because I'm a tradition whore. But Joe and I were watching these movies and he turned to me. He's like, can you promise me that when we are older, we will have holidays that are relaxing and we are doing things that we want to do, not because we feel we have, we're forced to do things based on like past traditions or society standards. And that's all I want. Like the, the whole production of the holidays are not fun for me. Like I just want to spend time with my loved ones, drink hot chocolate, watch movies, sit by a fireplace love each other, sing carols, and be in Christmas pajamas. Like, I don't need the hoopla or the excess. And I don't know. It's just something I've been thinking about. And this year, I convinced my mother we're not wrapping gifts. I think I mentioned that. We're not wrapping gifts and doing any of that stuff. And like, that's just an additional hoopla. Like, we don't need to be doing all that shit. It just adds more work and stress. So I think it's just something interesting to reflect on. Um, I'm going to answer two listener questions. Do you plan on raising your son in New York or New Jersey? So our plan is to raise our son at a young age in New York. For past, I guess, context, I was raised in New York until I was three and then I moved to New Jersey and we've lived, I've lived in this house in Princeton for the rest of my New Jersey life. So I love the idea as a mother of having like a small kid in New York. I think it's easier to be honest. Like you don't have to pack a car if you just want to run out and get something. All of my friends are there. I think I personally would feel really lonely in the suburbs with a baby 
assuming Joe goes back to an office and none of my friends are there. Like, I just don't think that would be good for my mental health. And also, I fucking miss New York. Like, I want to be in New York. So our plan is to have our kid in New York in the early years. But at the same time, like, I want our child to have a suburban upbringing in the sense of having a backyard and going to sports that aren't on, like, concrete roofs of apartment buildings or, you know, whatever. I don't even know how you play sports in the city. Um, Also, like, straight up, we just can't afford to have a child in New York. Like, when you look at the cost of schooling, it's absolutely insane. And I know there are public schools in New York. Obviously, you know, we plan to send our kids to public school in New Jersey, but in New York, the lottery, like you can totally get screwed and be somewhere not even near your home. So that whole concept, just like the the financial aspect of raising kids in New York, not to mention the apartment we would then have to get if once we have more than one kid is not something I'm interested in. And yet neither is Joe. So the plan is at a young age, New York, and then eventually New Jersey. Obviously, I don't have crystal ball, so I don't know if that's going to happen or what the timeline will be, but that is the hopeful plan. The second question is, what would you do if Instagram disappeared tomorrow? Um, Cry, but like also partially be relieved, but cry because I wouldn't have a business. I mean, obviously, I have things. I have this podcast. I have other things, but Instagram is definitely where primarily I make my money financially and then also like have a community. So that would really fucking suck for me business-wise. But I also know it would take a lot of stress off of me, which is, I mean, I think they're hand in hand. But also I think as a consumer, it would probably be better for my mental health because I wouldn't be consuming so much social media. But I would really miss the creators that I follow and love and that type of connection. So I would not be happy. Um, But again, that's something I think about all the time of like building platforms that aren't owned by large companies and things that I own on my by myself. So that's all for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please let me know your thoughts. Have a wonderful weekend. Please be safe. I think we're supposed to be getting snow. Well, today it's Wednesday as I'm recording this. I think we're supposed to get snow today in the East Coast. So everyone, please be safe. And I love you. Thank you for listening. You guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. It really means the world to me. It means more to me than you could ever know. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please head over to wherever you consume your podcast and rate and or review the show. It not only helps the show's growth, but it really makes my day when I go through and read all of the reviews. If you aren't already, please follow along over on Instagram at Freckled Foodie for my way too active channel and at FF and Friends Pod for more information on the podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day and I can't wait to give you the next episode.